Well, what a weekend footy. Close games, upsets, and of course, controversy. Welcome back to this week's post-game spray. Welcome, boys. Hey, go, mate. Get our tickets. Hey, back, Paddy. Um, we'll get straight into it. The Dogs-Swans game on uh, Thursday night. Would you like to kick us off, Wiz? I always have to kick us off. Yeah, I'm happy to, Paddy. Right, uh, next one. Sorry? That was not English. What was that, dude? While we were showing, dude. Yeah, the dogs very good, good win. Uh, Bont and Pally outstanding, I thought. Swans honest battlers again, but without Papley in their forward line, they would not have got even close to kicking a score. But yeah, I think the dogs, after poor showing in rounds one and two, have really looked good in the last couple of weeks. Norton out. How big a difference is that going to make the dogs? Yeah, yeah, huge difference. Um, very important player for them. It just probably puts a lot more pressure on Josh Bruce than he had before. Hasn't probably shown his best. Hasn't form. fired a shot, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> hasn't shown his best form the first uh, four games of the dog. So uh, a lot more pressure now goes to him to perform. Does Norton now? Does Josh Shackey get that spot? Surely, I would hope so. Has to. Uh, if he doesn't get a spot now, then. May as well retire to be I don't, honest. I don't think he's been that bad when he's played for the dogs. He's just uh, definitely not one of Bevo's boys. Mm. And probably Gales will get back in and just stink it right <laughs> up again. <laughs> yeah. Um, move on to Friday night. Um, Pies went down to Giants Stadium. Giants played well, played to their strengths, beat the informed side of the competition. Thoughts on that, boys? Just you just don't yeah. miss a chance to pump the pies up, the flag pies as you call it. <laughs> now I thought GWS were very good. They did take the foot off the gas a little bit though and the pies was coming pretty hard but uh, it's good for the Giants to get a win on the board Toby Green outstanding a lot of commentary around him being unfairly umpired I don't think he really gives a shit I think he just goes about his footy and goes about it the right way and good for a spectator to watch so good to see him back and the Giants back yeah. I think oh, you go for it. No, it was just very similar to the prelim final last year GWS really just held on at the end um, and got over the line agree with the Toby Green stuff as well. I watched that game. He was stiff multiple times not to get free kicks. And then he just would lay a finger on a bloke and the umpire would blow a whistle. Definitely out for him, I reckon. I think what GWS did really well was, and a lot of other sides don't do it, is look for that 25-30 metre kick inboard. Or not necessarily inboard, but not just down the line and allows the whole game to break open. I think that could be taken by a lot of other sides to do and open up scoring if they want to. Sides are just so shit scared of turning the ball over um, at the moment. The, it's that the, they're, they're kicking more and more down the line. They're setting up behind the ball. It's all about turnovers at the moment. And I think that is one of those risks that they don't feel like they need to take. Some um, hearts broke, Paddy, on mm. uh, Friday night when Jeremy Howe went down. Yes. going to be okay, mate. Uh, I was a bit sad. I have come to terms, unfortunately... Was going to be all Australian, but um, he might hopefully be back for finals. But you never know. But um, all the best, to Jeremy. I love you, man. Just did, stay uh, strong. How did Mason Cox go on Friday night? Ah, don't you? pick six? Was the reports from a? I he brings the ball to ground every single time the ball is kicked to him. I don't think you could ask for much more. Than, He's, uh, he didn't Mason get pushed did. under the ball as much as he normally does, so that was a plus. But I think you get a wily defender on him just Ooh. nudge him under also kicked the clutch goal late in the game not saying he played well I'm far from that but I think uh, he gets a bit of gets a bit of flack and I don't think he plays that I bad. don't think he's any worse than Darcy Cameron I think he's got a specific role like Fez said bring the ball to ground and he does that every single time and does it does it well and plays well in their structure I reckon he's really important for him and you don't feel the need to 
put him into the ruck as often as you do with Darcy Cameron, so that um, and it, which frees Grundy up to play around the ball more. And I think I think just the whole mix there sides better with um, Cox being a tall forward and pinch hitting in the ruck rather than playing another ruckman. Yeah. Um, move to Saturday down at Metricon Port v West Coast. Um, Port once again looked good. So West Coast showed short glimpses, but what do we reckon of the state of Port at the moment? Port, excellent. Charlie Dixon, King Charles hasn't. Yes. Apart from Jared Healy, who is getting extremely firm anytime <laughs> Big Dicko gets anywhere near the agate, uh, he's not getting as much as he deserves. Charlie's been excellent and one of the only, probably the only key forward in the comp who's showing anything at the minute. Just wait, mate. We're at Port and West Coast. The one thing I do want to say about West Coast is I think they're far too tall. Too many blokes over 195. I don't know what Tom Hickey is doing in that side playing 4% game time in the ruck and playing 90% shithouse in the forward line. Had two touches up until halfway through the last quarter. Get him out. Like, we got Ryder out last week. It's Hickey's time to go this week. We've got Darling, Kennedy, Brander. Oh, they're just way too big. Is Alan playing? Way too big. So, I don't know what's going on. Um, we spoke about them sooking, still sooking, but... Yeah, and uh, Tim Kelly not lining up yet, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, but trouble Couldn't at the be Eagles. Happier. Trouble <laughs> at the Eagles. Elliot Yo absolutely stinking it up at the moment as well. Yeah, yeah back his, his effort at uh, West year. Coast. But back to King Charles, Jared Hilly's uh, man. Um, he's currently the best forward in the game. No one, uh, rank one in goals kicked, contestant <laughs> possessions, <laughs> marks. Marks inside 50 and score involvements for a forward and a key forward is a pivotal part of their success. And just clunking it just and does not miss as well. Get around him. I'm all for Big Dicko. I think Simpson added, um, summed it up pretty well when he said it was dragmatic and a reality check to see where they really are when they're versus a top quality side. I just think it's almost, the season's almost gone for them. I know they have to go back to Perth. Gone? He's right. Yeah, right. Riding West Coast off. off. I'm bringing the certainty card on the AFL footy show. They, they, will not... they could easily win their all yeah. their home games in WA. Yes. I totally agree. Their switch will be flipped when they get over there. We well, want to hope so because their switch is well and truly off at the moment. You're riding the Tigers off earlier, ridden the Eagles off. It was a lot let's, of just, let's just... Um, I hope this podcast lasts the full season. Hopefully it won't last the full season, so we'll be fine with that. Let's go on to the Tigers and St Kilda game. Saints getting the job done there, looking class, after a big loss the week before. Thoughts on that? Yeah, St Kilda looked really good. Their ball movement is best in the comp at the moment. Brad Hill is really exciting for him. His running is unbelievable. Um, Tigers just looked off the pace. Saints were too fast. Spewing that Richmond West Coast got moved this week because it would have been good to see where those two teams are at playing against each other. Um, I reckon it would have sparked one of their seasons, but obviously we'll have to wait for that one. But St Kilda looking really good. Smokey for the best recruiter of the year, Dan Butler, mm, is on yep. fire for the Saints. Didn't like, he was obviously part of that system at the Tigers and the forward pressure and I like, wasn't a huge rap on him, but geez, he's been fantastic. Probably got the three votes on Saturday Arvo. And as Frank said, probably the best team to watch at the moment, the Saints when they're up and going. Uh, they were awesome against the Dogs and showed it again against the Tigers and kicking straight, which is rare for them. So I think it was 14-3 or something like that on the yeah. weekend. So. A bit of improved team balance with Paddy Ryder out. <laughs> Remarkable. A bit of wobble on this couch too, but no, you were spot on. You're spot on. Marshall, very good. I guess the one thing I want to say about with St. Kilda now, we, we know how their good looks, especially at Marvel Stadium. We just want to see that consistency um, for four quarters, week in, week out, um, against you know a variety of oppositions at, at different grounds. And let's hope 
they can deliver that because at the moment, as we said, they are one of the better teams to watch on TV. Let's look at the other side of the ledger, more on Richmond. I just think I am close to writing them off, not completely yet, but I just think Boy. lack of motivation, lack of hunger, and there is they're timid at the ball. I feel Ooh, big call, massive oh, call. Wait. I'm, I'm Bruce, happy. I'm Bruce happy free footy, same thing. A bit of Bruce free footy, Ooh. and I think it's just becoming oh, an excuse now. They don't have this hunger, they don't have this motivation. Wait. Some of these people are getting oh, paid wait. close to a million dollars a year, and if you can't play f- footy the way they want to, you just you, there's no point of playing. So people like this being undisciplined, Boston and Grimes doing this undisciplined stuff, hitting people after the ball, dragging people when not necessary. I just think it's a whole lot. A whole lot of a bloody wow. shit child Richmond at the moment. Yeah, she's now, punches forward. Yeah. Oh my god, no in there either. And obviously no Dave Asprey for a while. Big so, loss. Big loss. Does Bolter fill that void? I don't know. Yeah, you'd think so. Do they I think Bolter attempts to fill that void, yeah. but fills it poorly. They are. They're, they're going to bounce back to Tiggs. They are, I think the motivation levels you're not far off the mark there, but I think they can flick that switch. Does hasn't arrived. Rewalt Lynch not really clicking, but I think. I wouldn't be writing them off yet. The I'll be ready to write them off if they lose to Melbourne this week, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, one other thing about Richmond, too, is they looked much better with Nan Curtis in the side. Yes, he played very yeah, well. Yeah, Nank the tank. He's got solo coverage. He just lit up 185 in Supercoach, old Nank. Mm. Killed me. <laughs> we all love the tune of da 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 da. Tell us, Frank, how good was it on the weekend? Uh, Your boy's getting the job over resident. I uh, nearly broke my hand when Jacob Townsend took that mark. But, uh, <laughs> nah, good. Um, what about Eddie? You won a fifty, clear fifty, man. Nah, not sure. Yeah, not sure about that one. But now, nah, yeah, Bizarre. making it tight at the moment. But we should have been up by five goals after the third quarter. We really we dominated. Should have put um, bigger score on the board, but we didn't. But what was really good and where we would have lost the plot in the last few years is. We dominated the third quarter. Essendon kicked the last goal of the third quarter on the side, and then the first two of the last quarter. Um, and normally, you know, I, I was sitting there going, "That's it, we're done." Essendon will run away with it, but we fought back, leveled it up, and then hit the front, uh, which was really good to see. I think that's just a bit of a sign of maturity within the group. Um, Dave Cunningham had a breakout game as well. Uh, Mickey Gibbons, love Mickey. love Mickey. He was outstanding again. But and again, Cripps wasn't. Cripps was largely quiet, uh, getting tagged by Langford. So I haven't brought up Doherty yet. That's do- sh- no, I'm, done, I'm getting. I'm getting. Uh, Doherty. Done it all night. It's not a yeah, no, I know. <laughs> you made me bring in Doherty, but I just don't understand why teams let him run around the back doing whatever he wants. He did it two years ago when he was all ashamed, and he's doing it again. Just thirty odd touches. Just put a man on him, someone. But I mean, don't. But I don't understand why you wouldn't. We're going to need a timer on Frank next week when we talk about Carlton. <laughs> it's getting out of hand and they need a touch-up this week. Last thing about Carlton, just do we think they are the real deal yet or not? Because they've obviously... No, 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 no. Frank, your thoughts? No, no definitely. Are you still in 12th? Do you reckon they're moving up after being the Cats? Real all? deal. We won't make finals. We'll could finish be in 12th or Carlton at the moment. Yeah, we, we, could, we could have been if we didn't bottle the Melbourne game. But nah, we're, we're, we'll be there. I think we'll get touched up by the Saints this week at Marvel. Would have been a bit more confident at the G, but we'll get touched up this week. Mm. Uh, the story of the AFL, the first... First three weeks back, obviously, Gold Coast becoming a not shit, obviously. Um, just how good are they? Once again, Matt Rowell. You like, are their number one fan. Oh, yeah. I love them. You are their number Matt Rowell. He's on, he's on the Suns and he's off the Tigers and the Eagles. So just, uh, Maybe uh, Matt Man Matty Lloyd, the, the Suns might be close to the Paddy Farley's hot takes. Where it, is, it is 2020 and 
nothing's off limits yet. I think the Suns are a lot better than they have been, but they have been in similar positions early in the season the last few years. Uh, they head down to the Cattery this week. I think they're going to be on the road a little bit over the next month, so it's going to sort them out. But they haven't done anything wrong so far. And they were good again against the Dockers. Dockers losing Fife in real trouble at 0-4. So they've got the Crows this week. They've um, Fremantle once again, you know, tried really hard. You know, they've been in all games they've lost. And you'd think this week that they'd be able to break through and get that win. She's going to be in trouble if they can't get yeah, it. With no yeah, Fife. No Fife. Well, you'd think they'd be able to beat Adelaide. That's a true... Yeah, no. Adelaide should have lost by 150 points <laughs> yeah, all the weekend. Yeah. We'll yeah. go on to that game now. Well, the other one, just, just last one on Preo, they paid good money and big trade to get Jesse Hogan. Oh, he's he getting stinking. What about, what about Rory Lobb would be a good coin as well? Mm. Oh, I don't think Lobb's no, given really. a little bit more than what Hogan's at the moment. Matt Tabernard's doing the job for them as their tall forward at the moment, I reckon. Well, he's doing the job. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely their best tall he, he has shown glimpses every single preseason. He's also 27 now, Tabernard. He's not exactly oh, a Well, I didn't say he was a young up-and-coming Brownlow medalist. I said he's doing, just doing the job for them at the moment. Um, we'll go on to the Brisbane-Adelaide game we just talked about. Uh, help. Hang on, you're not going to touch on Matty Rao getting best on three just, weeks in a row? I can't, I'm getting firm already and I just <laughs> need, need to slow down a little bit. So we'll just go into the Brisbane and Adelaide game, guys. Um, Adelaide probably should have been beat, uh, been beaten by more. Um, why do we, th- oh, not why do we think, do we think that they can win any games this year? Not at, at the moment, but... I'm sure they'll win a couple, but gee whiz, they yeah, are... Yeah, they're paying like 12 bucks not to win a game this year, so if you're interested, Paddy. Uh, who are the massive stars of Brisbane at the moment? Like Neil's not a bad player. Ka- Charlie Cameron, McClung, Berry. They're very even. Harris Andrews. Brisbane, you probably batch them up similar to maybe a, a Collingwood in terms, of their, in terms of their evenness across um, the ground, so... I reckon uh, they're looking very sorry. much like a bit of their 2019 stuff. I think a lot of teams sort of start the new year and look a bit different here, obviously, obviously compared to the previous years. But you can see glimpses of what Brisbane produced last year yeah. coming back to the fore um, early in this thing. Yeah. Season. They keep the- getting better. Their core is group is pretty young and up and coming, and they all look like they want to play for Fagan. Yeah. I think they're right up and about the Lions. Yeah, I was yeah I was going to touch on Fags. I think he's like he's going to be a very, very a, I know he's old but good coach for a long time. the The only thing of concern I have for Brisbane is that Zorko's a super important player for him, and it, he's starting at his wrong side of thirty now and doing calves. Um, you you it's don't yeah you, yeah you, well, it's just you don't want to see them get in the finals and have Zorko struggling with soft tissues. So get him right, let him take as long as he needs, and. Uh, Getting firing for, for finals, I think. I think with Adelaide, um, if you saw that third quarter, they did show glimpses, and I think they kicked three or four in a row. And there's been a lot of flack on Tex, and one, I don't think many people are big rap for Tex, but when the ball did go in that third quarter and there was some type of delivery, I thought he played well. I think he kicked two or three and competed a lot better compared to the game with, against Gold Coast, where he just was deemed unbearable. Again, I think they're better when he's in the side and the calls for him to be dropped weren't, I don't think, accurate. So, good on Tex, but they're, uh, oh, they're terrible. They're as bad as we've seen for a while, I reckon, the Crows. Yeah. The game of the weekend for Stevie Wonder, if you're blind, Melbourne-Geelong, holy shit, what was going on there? Cat's got the job done, but 
Jay was ugly on the alley. Falling. The first half is the worst game of footy I've ever seen, I reckon. And as a Geelong supporter, over the last 15 years, don't often want to turn the TV off and discuss, but it was getting to that point. It was putrid. Uh, both sides equally as uh, culpable, but uh, Caps got the points and got out of there and never to be spoken about again, I think. Just completely agree, completely putrid game. Can I, I, I'd like to get a, we need to send a, a spy down to, down to Geelong just to find out how many donuts Gary Ablett and Jack Stephen are putting away <laughs> per week. Because, and over the last 12 weeks, because they must be some big numbers. I, I don't think two fatter blokes have rolled around the AFL since Stewie Jew and Dean Rioli were, were wandering around the field. So, uh, got a lot, of, a lot of work to do on their uh, tanks, those two boys. Geelong uh, are just playing the most boring shit game style, which you just don't normally talk about. Just completely risk-free. Um, terrible to watch. Chris Scott, sacking. Can we touch on Melbourne for a moment? They, yeah. they put out um, this big, you know, documentaries, you know, style package in the pre-season. You know, it was a five-episode um, documentary. It was really good viewing. And it sort of was all about their comeback and their, dest- and their destiny and their story this year. And, you know, they, they hyped up a lot of um, stuff, you know, throughout that, that filming. And unfortunately, through four rounds, we just haven't haven't seen that. You know, we've seen them play decent footy, but we just can't. They've got no forwards. We've had, Tom McDonald cannot get a kick. And they got there. They obviously had Hogan and Wiedemann a few years ago, and they look like they had this big, tall forward unit coming up, young, gonna be gonna be the goods for a long period of time. Hogan left, and Wiedemann can't get a kick, and they've sent their dropped. Yeah, yeah, and they've sent their best defender in Tom McDonald to play forward, and he can't get a kick at that end of the ground either. It's almost like. I was, I was considering on the weekend, like, where where is the line for sending Tom McDonald back to defence? Because there's, there's no room for him back there. Yeah. I don't think he's in their May best and, side. Yeah. And I think they, Melbourne got sucked in by one good season from Tom McDonald, one, got sucked in by a quarter of a season from Sam Wiedemann and thought, this is our future, but those two are just not, not up to it at the moment. The other thing with the Ds, like, just one pace through the middle of the ground, like, you know, they, they say you've got a good midfield with Oliver and Viney and Brayshaw and that, but they're all not plotters, but they they don't break the game open. They're not metres game players. A bit like Adelaide with the crouches and all that. A little bit, yeah. But I, I just think, you know, Oliver gets a lot of um, recognition as being a really good player, but he's got to start damaging the opposition, and he's just not doing it at the moment. And again, gets his hand on the footy, that's fantastic. Gets clearances, but doesn't hurt the opposition. And they... And if he had if he had someone on the outside like a hill that he was feeding the ball to who was tearing it up, that'd be a bit different. But there's no one there to do that. I think that's they went. That's why they went and tried to get Ed. Well, they got Ed Langdon oh. to be that to be that player. And that's who? Ed Langdon <laughs> and and Tomlinson to be those gut runners on the outside that are running up and down all day. But they are just no, nowhere near They're in not the class of of yeah, Brad Hill or, or even Zach Jones to a lesser extent. Well, yeah, I don't think it's so much leg speed because I know Clayton Oliver's really, really quick. I think it's it's classy ball use. Viney, Oliver, Brayshaw's can kick both feet, but he doesn't have that real silky, like laser-like ball use. So I think that's what they're missing more than just break the lines run. On a selection point, we just talked about speed. I think speed still needs to be improved in their game. Like they, 
drop Jenner and manage Bernal or whatever. Back pocket though. Yeah, but the thing is, and Goodwin said, um, well, so like, let's let him find form. First round you played with him after you put him on Mackay, the tall forward, kept him to one goal as a direct matchup, and then Ooh. drop, Ooh. drop Bernal. I just if you want, and then brought in Hibbert, and they they said they can't, they we can't fit all three of them in. I feel like when Melbourne play their best footy when they're rebounding off that half back line with pace and drop, not having all three of them and having that one outlet as, as Hibbert kind of getting the ball out of the back fifty and becoming attacking. I just feel like that's not the yeah, way to go from Melbourne. Melbourne's Hunt was doing that, but now he's playing a weird I'm role in the forward line. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be featuring no. too much going forward, Melbourne. No. Move on to the last game of the weekend. North Melbourne and the Hawks came down the wire at the end. Uh, thoughts on Hawthorne and big boy McAvoy? Yeah, I've got to uh, give uh, McAvoy and Clarko a bit of apology. It's uh, He geez, he touched Ben Brown up. He only had one kick till three-quarter time, big boy. But his job was to stop big Benny Brown, and he did that. Uh, stopped him right in his track. So, well done, Clarko and big boy. Uh, I thought Warple and... O'Meara, very good. Uh, Mitchell. Yeah, 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 Mitchell, uh, he was good, but he wasn't, I don't think he was ex- excellent. I thought Warple, very good. Uh, the Hawks, uh, looking good, but Bruce out for four weeks for them. Going to be a loss. Gunston not really firing. They, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Lewis and Patton, because Lewis played all right. Patton hasn't been going that well. Late withdrawal, so interesting there. But yeah, the Hawks 3-1 and, and playing some good footy. Timmy um, O'Brien could get the ass from that team. He's doing nothing. True. Chad Wingard very very good oh, on the weekend Wingard, well. yes. Yes, uh, we talked about Benny McAvoy let's look at his opponent Ben Brown couple of flack during the weekend obviously got the one kick didn't do much but I just want to kind of reflect and compare two stats so Adelaide when they got poleaxed by Gold Coast had the 28 inside 50s and Tex was under fire why was he doing this why was he doing that and 28 50s you can, we could all agree isn't a lot North Melbourne had five more inside 50s then Adelaide that game with 33. I just feel like it's a real unfair judgment of Ben Brown in that type of thing, in that type of game style where he didn't get the opportunity to lay out the ball and then he had Cherry play and they both kind of played deep. I just feel like Ben Brown's cop and flack where he probably doesn't deserve being yeah. a good 40, 40 years. Yeah, maybe he does, but I guess I guess you look at the, the counter, that would be look at his stats so far this year and he's averaging career lows in player rankings, disposals, contested marks and score involvement. So... There's an obvious trend that's a cause for concern for, for North fans and um, he's a key pillar of that forward line and I think they need a bit more out of him. I reckon it's just about how they're using the ball inside the 50. And I, I think it does have to do with Reece Shaw's game plan. They're playing a bit more kick along and uh, and you hear him, if you ever hear him interviewed during the game, he talks about getting the ball moving, getting the ball moving, getting the ball moving. They want to kick long. So what, and Ben Brown is a lead at the, lead at the ball forward. What they're doing now is bombing the ball in the 50 and asking him to compete and bring the ball to ground. Doesn't suit him. He, he, I think he's bringing the ball to ground. He's just not like a bloke like McAvoy who's a bit stronger is going to be able to body him and not let him get that clean grab of the footy. It's So when you bomb the ball in and bring the ball to ground, do you, you get goals through other avenues. Uh, if you want Brown involved, you need him to lead at the footy. But two Browns... Um, in Brown's defence, in, in the last quarter, he kicked a huge goal for him and then should have kicked the match winner when Curtis Taylor ripped it out of his <laughs> arms after he, after he <laughs> let up. Know your role, Know your role, Curtis. Um, 
And and if Ben Brown kicks that goal, we're all going, geez, how good's he going, Mike? Uh, so at good players come good when the game's on the line. And, and he was doing that. Uh, North should have won this game. And yeah. I would have frothed to see Hawthorne get rolled after <laughs> dominating the game. North just started all over him. And missing Cunnington, I reckon, a, 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 a just classic North Melbourne. An honest, tough performance. The supporters would be happy. Would have liked him to win if... Um, if uh, Curtis Taylor doesn't do do that, but yeah, I reckon they they're, they're good to watch North. They have a crack. Just just back to uh, Brown for a second. It's just there's no secret why Dixon's the only key forward in common leading race. It's because it's really difficult to play forward the way the game's been played at the moment. And as Mitch said, Brown needs the ball in quick. If he's one out with McAvoy on the lead, I reckon he's torching him. But he didn't get the opportunity, and all the other. Uh, key forwards who have had low goal tally this year. It's just I think it's the way the game's been played. So I think Brand will be all right once the game opens up. Hopefully at some stage. I think it would have been rumours not to mention that it would have been typical North Melbourne to pinch that game. Well, I did that last quarter. Um, you know, no good for for three three and a half quarters and you know come and pinch it at a death. But um, you know, Jai Simpson's done like a really good player for him um, inside the mids and. Um, they do enjoy like uh, they do enjoy playing the dogs North Melbourne, so uh, they can easily bounce back this week. Awesome. Tonight's special guest on the post game spray is two hundred and seventeen game veteran of the North Melbourne Footy Club, uh, Ian Flossie Fairley. Uh, Ian played, as I said, two hundred and seventeen games debuting in nineteen eighty three and uh, culminating in nineteen ninety six Premiership. Welcome, Ian. Okay, boys, how you going? Thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us. Um, just want to start you off. You're a Western Suburbs boy and uh, made a famous debut for the Williamstown Footy Club in 1980, kicking a bag of goals, mate. Just want to talk us through that. Oh, well, yeah, I was 15 and um, um, started off in the thirds that year with Williamstown. We played half the season in the thirds, went to the seconds, and um, ended up playing the last four games, including the final in the seniors. And lucky enough, in the first game, uh, the ball followed me around quite a bit and I was lucky enough to kick eight goals. So yeah, so long time ago now, but um, that's where it all started, I suppose. Pretty fake. Well, it all started when we, when we missed before that, but it was um, as we first uh, played the senior football unit. Uh, not many people can say they kicked eight goals at 15 years of age. Uh, so you went to North Melbourne in 1983 and debuted as a 19-year-old. What was your journey between Williamstown and there and how did you end up at North? Okay, so I played um, another um, two full seasons at Williamstown, and in, I think it was 1983, I played the first couple of games at Willie, and um, uh, North Melbourne, John Duckdale came and watched the game, I played out of Frankston, and um, he um, rang up Merv Hobbs and said they wanted to have a chat, and, and I wasn't really interested in going to North at that stage, that man is in the quarter, which I'm not You, uh, it looks like you played under some pretty lauded coaches, uh, Barry Cable, John Kennedy Senior, into Schimmelbush, and then uh, 
under the under Pagan for the flag. Just want to talk us through those four coaches and uh, yeah, their different yeah. styles and what you learned. Yeah. Well, Barry Cable was um, like Cable was a champion footballer, and um, you know he um, you know he was right up you know, up, a lot of skill work and stuff like that. Training wasn't that hard on him. Pre-seasons were pretty hard, but during the season it wasn't too too bad. Um, first year I played, we finished in the um, the top of the ladder. And um, he, we went out straight sets. I was lucky enough to play in the preliminary final that year. First time I played the final. It was a um, good experience. Um, Cage coaches again the year after. And then um, we sort of dropped away because we lost a lot of the blokes who played in the 70s. There was um, a Shimmer Bush. I used to play, but we had Brightest, Cowden, Dempsey, uh, quite a few Henshaw. All those guys who played in the 70s and played in premierships, they were, they were part of that basket of that era and they, they retired. So we ended up sort of finishing down the bottom. And then the club decided to put John Kennedy as coach in 1985. Um, Kanga was probably, um, well, one of the, was the best coaches I had. He um, was unbelievable. He was, um, I had him coach for five years and um, um, taught us a lot about, you know, being humble, being gracious, um, just doing the basics and uh, you know, teaching you how to be probably a good person as well as being a good footballer. So he was, he was um, a really, really, really top coach, Kanger, and um, obviously, sadly, he passed away last week um, and he's left a big legacy on the game, but we're selling off Melbourne and Auckland, but um, AFL, PFL, football in Australia in general. Um, he was the man of a lot, like he um, didn't like weak blokes or... Um, he just wanted you to go for the ball and uh, uh, have to go. And if he had a go, he'd leave up to it. And um, when Kanga left, we had Shimmer. Now, yeah, Shimmer, Shimmer was a different kettle of fish, I suppose. He obviously was a grouse football for North Melbourne. He um, um, played a lot of games and was a legend of our football club. But I think the problem with Shimmer's occasions, you know, Shimmer had basically the same team that Dennis took over and went on to be the team of the 90s. And Shimmer had a lot of that, those players in his graft. And, um, he um, tried, basically trained us like he 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 um, used to train like he was he was just an animal on the training track and he was an animal away from it and expected everyone else to be like that. So you come pre-season and stuff like that, you do a four four-hour sessions and the sun's going down and you and you're knackered. You know, he just went on for four nights in a row. Then during the season, if you lost the game, you plug you for three or four days and, and you know um, you play on the weekend and you fell off right and you fall on a heap and you wonder why because everyone was stuck. And, Look, he had, he had um, good intentions here, but unfortunately, I don't think he um, um, coached the right way. Um, and obviously, what happened with him was he we got flogged with Adelaide in the night game in the pre-season, and the club gave him a flick, and they caught a Dennis. And uh, Dennis came along, and then Dennis started uh, coaching one of the old, a lot of us old blokes who used to watch the other night. He's probably that old fuck, we've got to go, what's going to come out of this bloke? Lunatic used to train the other one flat out. And we thought we were going to be in for like a, get a flocking off him too, but it was completely opposite. He appointed a guy from um, the Victoria Institute of Technology as he's a dead bloke and he listened to what he said. And training at the dentist was actually probably the easiest training I've ever done, but he made us train and he made us look after our diet and um, be fully accountable for how we looked after ourselves. And, uh, if you didn't play well, both were coming up on the left, he'd drop you and he'd make the whole team accountable. Um, he, um, yeah, he was probably um, along the lines of John Kennedy. Uh, like Dennis was 
coached probably by he was coached by Ron Barassi in the seventies, and Ron Barassi and Dennis and Tony uh, Tony Kennedy of, of uh, similar values, and I think Dennis took a lot of Barassi with him, and uh, obviously wasn't as hard as Barassi on the on the training track, but he he actually um, um, you know instilled a lot of those uh, methods into our, our training in terms of how we should prepare and. Uh, and he was pretty straight to the point too. Like there was no luck around Dennis. Um, he'd tell you how it, how it was if you uh, in front of everyone, and um, he uh, didn't pull any punches. So it's really you had to stand up and be a man. If he, he said something to you, you had to cop it. Um, so everyone knew where they stood. Everyone respected him. Um, well, respected him sometimes. You know, sometimes after a game, he'd say something to you didn't like, but no, ultimately he was always right what he said. And um, here he's not the best out of everyone. And, and um, obviously developed that um, the team that had a lot of success in the 90s. Mm. Um, obviously, when you talk about North Melbourne during that time period, um, a pretty big name that always comes up is Wayne Carey. What was it like having him around the club and playing with him, and what was his presence like at that time? Well, the Duck, look, the duck was a um, champion. Um, uh, he could, um, you, know, you know, win games of his own boot, but, look, you know... Um, I worry the player played at Northcote, Rossman, Denny, too. I mean, guys know how to Rossman went back to West Coast Service and captain there. Similar player to Duck, but, you know, Duck had that swagger about him. Um, so, you know, and it, wasn't just, it wasn't just Duck when we played, like, it was big with football. And you've got to have more than one person forward. And Duck used to take the best forward, best back one all the time, and we had to put me through for other forwards in our, in our team, like, you know, Bernard Child, Robert. Allison and Crocker, and they're all really good players, and it's very hard to match up on everyone. So Duck takes one or two players, and the rest gets cut loose. But uh, certainly, he's champion of our football club at North Melbourne, and um, and um, yeah, he's a great player, and he's pretty good off the field too. <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously, you mentioned Wayne Carey there, but um, when you talk about the greatest of all time, another couple of guys from that era get a mention as well with Gary Ablett Senior and Lee Matthews. Who do you, out of those three, who um, would be the best that you would have seen? Or if there's any other names, who's the best from that era that you would have played against or with? Uh, look, look, there was a lot of good players in that era. There was um, probably Ablett and Duck were a different, different type of player. Um, you know, um, I don't know if Duck played a full forward. I don't know how many goals he would have kicked. He would have kicked plenty too. But, um, I, I only played against Lee Matthews in the first couple of years I played league football, so uh, he, you know, I haven't got really good recollection of him uh, compared to the others. But you know, those guys that I played on, played against, like you got Tony Lockett, um, he was pretty good. And um, um, I've got most like Kernahan, he, you know, he had good midfields running around as, as well. You know, so um, I suppose there was a lot of good players that went through that era. Um, um, and a lot of champions went through that era too. Um, so you, you know, you'd have to say that Duck would be right up there with the best of them. And uh, you know, I'd, I'd probably put Tony Lockett up there um, next to him because he was just he was just a machine. Lockett. Um, I played him one day at Rabbit and he kicked four goals a minute quarter. <laughs> He's pretty hard to play on. I don't think you're on your own there, Flossie. And uh, that brings me to the next question. It's a bit of a two-part question. Um, you look like you played a bit of footy forward early kicking some bags of goals and kicked over 20 a few times and uh, in a season and then moved back towards the latter part of your career. Um, just yeah. want to talk us through the transition there and where you thought you were best suited for the team. Well, that started with Kennedy, actually, because um, we 
when, when John was coached, there was, you know, I, I, I might play three weeks in a row and set her up forward, and, um, and then he might say to me that, oh, you, we, we want you to play and set her up back on this bike. I was, I went, went, when he was, Kennedy was coached, but he ended up playing set her up forward, then he ended up playing set her up back on Roger Mirrors, and wake up, I played full back from Warren Kappa. Um, but he, so I, I, he transitioned those. What is where John used to operate with him to get the matchups from him? What about Donald McDonald and Steve McCann and Gosselin Dennis as the tall players that are putting up against the spine? And he just he just changes round from week to week. So some weeks I play centre half forward, which was probably more than often. And then the other weeks, um, if he thought it was right to uh, play the back line, well, he put you in the back line. Like I never played the back line before. So I played. We played the uh, ninety. Uh, 85 elimination final against Carlton and um, Keith Craig was getting touched up by Mark McClure and half time Kanker stuck me on McClure so I did it right in the week after I ended up going to play fullback on Beasley in the first semi and he, he never played fullback in my life and he kicked a kick the chunk of the season on me so anyway that's an experience with itself but he um, so to cut a long story short with the, with the back line it was probably Wolf the bloke we spoke about before was the catalyst for me to go to centre half back when Duck came along. Obviously, he played centre half forward, and um, I went back to centre half back permanently. So, um, yeah, more so when he came along, it was it was become more of a permanent thing. And you mentioned before the success that the club had had under Pagan and through the nineties with the two flags in ninety six and ninety nine. Um, there was a couple other. Pre, uh, prelims in there, famous one in 94 and then a, a loss in 98. Do you think the, the club could have snagged another one or two premierships in that that era and did they maybe uh, underachieve a little bit? Yeah, look, there's no doubt that that, that happened, you know, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things like if, if we'd have beaten um, Geelong and what we did in 94, like we got a fair show to knock West Coast off in the grand final, but we didn't get a chance to play them, so we didn't get the chance to, you know, we didn't get the cup, they, they, got, they got the cup, but no, there's uh, things like if you say in '96, Essendon reckon they they, could, they would have won the grand final. They got to they can get in there. The same with '99 with Essendon again. So, but look, it's, you did a lot of luck. Um, you know, it's not this this in '98. You know, we um, kicked ourselves out of it like in, in the first half. And so, I think it was the grand final against Adelaide. I think that was. But um, look, we played in like nine preliminary finals in a row in the '90s, and um, preliminary finals. Are, they're harder to win the probably grand finals in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? They are like a grand final in itself. But um, yeah, we just you, you take what you get, you take two flags. Um, yeah, there, there was we could have won we could have won another two or three, no doubt, but we didn't and um, just that's that's the way it is. So, you know, happy with two. Two's pretty good. <laughs> two is pretty good. <laughs> um, and just touching on grand finals, uh, the ninety six flag um, obviously was your final game of your career. Going into that yeah. game and that weekend, did you sort of know that you were finishing up um, your AFL career? And uh, obviously, it's a great way to, to go out winning a flag at the same time. No, 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 no. no. I didn't have any ambition to retire after that game on that day. Um, I, um, obviously, we, we won and we, we celebrated. and I did the pre-season um, up until Christmas. Then I, I, was just, I was actually a post in the final time with Blanc, and I first went back after Christmas and I thought, I don't want to go. I just um, don't want to, didn't, want to, didn't want to go. I just, just rather than come, I just, um, um, you know, to play league football at the, you know, play the highest level, you need to have the, the uh, passion and desire to do it. And, um, 
don't, and it's, and it's hard. You know, I played for 14 years and I was 32 and had a few injuries and um, I thought, so I don't want to go through this again. Because um, to play um, 22 games to get back to play the finals, or after you play finals, all those years, that's all you want to do is play finals again. But 22 games to play football is a pretty hard go. And for um, my heart, wasn't really in it, so I retired. And um, yeah, so um, that's how it went. I didn't know grand final day I was going to retire. I thought I was going to, you know, I just played the, played the grand final, played, played that day, and then um, uh, decided to go again. And then got to Christmas, and I thought, no, my heart's over, so I pulled the pins. Mm. Um, you see a lot in footy, um, players later becoming coaches, and obviously you play with guys like Simpson, Longmire, and Laidley. Did you um, kind of see when you were playing that could lead, and did they have a different edge? over other players, or was it just kind of like every player and they've developed later um, post-footy? Oh, look, I took Simo. I played with Simo for a couple of years. Look, I played with Val Clarkson. Um, you know, Clarkson's first season and would be famous for that battle that game over in London when he fell with the Carlton player. But <laughs> look, you, can see, you can see that Alistair had the, uh, that, that desire to... Because uh, he, he wanted to learn, he wanted to sponge off the coaches. and uh, You can see that he had the desire do it, but you know, at the end of the day, none of us guys thought that he'd be a good coach because um, he was pretty selfish on the football field, but he actually just turned into, you know, um, a great coach and, you know, and, and, you know modern day, like, uh, legend, uh, you know, and, and, and in reality, what he is, he's just a client of John Kennedy, you know, obviously he's not the biggest job, he's a very small man, I suppose, but he's actually... Um, Got a lot of John Kennedy's values and morals, and I'm, I'm sure he instills a lot that into a lot of the Hawthorne players. Obviously, he's got a modern day edge, obviously, but he's, um, you know, when you play football and every level you play with, you know, get the basics right. And that's what all the good teams do with the highest at the point of the season, they get the basics right better than anyone else. And he, um, you know, he's one that um, I picked, I didn't pick John Longmire to be a coach, and that he would be. Uh, I didn't pick Simo actually, I haven't really picked any of them to go on to be coaches, but they have, so that's the direction they wanted to take them, and, um, and you know, John's done really well with Sydney, um, Simo's done well with West Coast, um, I think Damien Harper was another one who was in North Melbourne, he was on the Kennedy early in the piece, and he went to Essendon and Port Adelaide, um, a few others running around too that um, come from that sort of background from North Melbourne too, so, yeah, North's produced a lot of a lot of people over the years have gone on to be um, a lot of good coaches or good assistant coaches. Yeah, nice one, mate. Uh, obviously, it's a lot of uh, a lot of fun in the rooms after a win, but uh, the rooms after a loss are also an interesting place. And uh, we met, we spoke about before the uh, the coaches you played under. Um, certainly, Dennis Pagan's one that sort of springs to mind as someone that could deliver a uh, a post game spray. Uh, there are there any sort of uh, particular particularly interesting stories uh, uh, from the coaches you, you played under that you'd like to share with us about a little post-game spray or something of that nature? Obviously directed at yourself or others. Uh, well, I've, I've copped a few. I copped a couple after, you know, ones, there was one, oh, there's quite a few. It's you know, a time, time I can't repeat, you know. Like, <laughs> I used to get a really good spray too. Like, um, uh, Kanga one night, well, there was one day we played up at, um, at Carrara when the Gold Coast played now, but it was a the grounds still was the grounds where it is now, but obviously the stands have changed. But this day we um, um, got the plane up there and 
we've changed players. The player wouldn't start. It was pretty much a proper start going up there. So we used to fly on the same day. So we get up there. We only landed about 40 minutes before, or an hour before the game started. So we had to rush to get there and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, get beat by 80 points uh, by the Brisbane Bears. No shit. And, uh, <laughs> and um, after the game, Kangas blown a bloody head gasket. Right? <laughs> he smashed a locker and broke his head. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so that 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 stuck in me. Well, look, some of the things that Dennis just decided, I can't repeat, boys. It's just <laughs> like he's actually made blokes cry. You know? <laughs> he's, he's actually, um, yeah, he's bad. You know, I, I had an argument with him one day. Actually, it was um, it was um, uh, with Trey Birdie before one of the games, and he's coming up with these stats, and he goes, um, yeah, we've had a guard being bit. He goes, Flossie, he goes, you're giving away 1.2 free kicks a game. And Mick, you're giving away 1.4. He goes, it's too much. And I looked at him and I said, I said, you don't get me ready to give free kicks away, do you? And he goes, it's too much, son, it's too much. And I said, no, what do you reckon we give, we ready to give free kicks away? And really, Dad has had a fair to argument in front of all the boys. Right. And, um, and, and he goes, Mick, we go, what do you reckon about this, Mick? And he goes, he goes, if you argue, he goes, he goes, what, what happens when you argue with idiots? And he goes, you look like you and Fossey. So, <laughs> just broke the, the whole room up. And he was, uh, but he gave a good spray, Dennis. He was just, um, uh, you know, I can't repeat some of the things he, he said, but he was, he was pretty sharp and he, um, he was pretty good at it. Um, so, after, obviously, football, um, You've obviously um, done some stuff with your business. Would you just like to tell us a bit about that? Well, yeah, I've just um, I've been just selling. I've been in car mats for um, I import car mats from overseas, and I've been selling them to dealerships around Melbourne and obviously New South Wales and Queensland. Some stage of, um, I've got an online business called um, www.carmatsaustralia.com.au, and it's been going okay. So, uh, if anyone wants to buy car mats for their car, like yeah, the, the mats are made to suit the models and um, they're reasonably priced and it's good quality so if you want to jump on and have a look have a look and um, see how you go awesome awesome well thank you very much for joining us um, Flossie it means a lot um, to have no, someone no. of your calibre um, to talk about your footy and all the big players you play with so thank you very much no worries boys have a good night thanks Flossie appreciate it man well let's go into this week's talking points Charlie Cameron said he'd be willing to leave Brisbane, if he couldn't come to agreement to come back to Melbourne. Thoughts on that and how important will he be to some clubs? Mercenary. How's the audacity? Like, he's playing some great footy up there and just comes out of this magically. Um, I don't I don't get it. I, I just, I'd be spewing if I was Fagan at the moment. They've just, we just spoke about uh, how well Brisbane are going. Uh, everyone's playing for Fagan and then Big Charlie or Little Charlie after four rounds just thinks it's all about him and is throwing those barbs out. But... If he wants to go, good on him, and he'll get a lot of interest. He's one of the better forwards in the comp. Yeah, rumours are we've put a the Blues have put a big, big contract on the table in front of him, but I'm not reading too much into contract talk this time. Every single contract in the league is on hold, so I reckon it's just the media searching for a headline like they were doing with Crips a few weeks ago. In a few weeks' time, in a few weeks' time, it'll be another big name that hasn't put pen to paper. So. I don't reckon there's too much to us, to be honest. Over in Perth for a couple of weeks and just I reckon that's when they might real estate. Yeah. <laughs> Have a look around. Absolute uh, lack of self-awareness by Charlie. Yes. 
Um, let's go on to the match review panel. Always controversial when something happens. Let's start off with the Silvani um, injury um, from Merritt. What do we think about that? I reckon Sauce is weak as piss. I'd like to see Fez with a cracked ribbon at oh. Bruce Lane. I'd like to chicken just bones. try it right out now while I'm next to him. I reckon I could sort it chicken out. Chicken bone Silvani. Mm. It's not, uh, I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago that it should be the action, not the result. So that that's still true with the sling tackle, I think. But I'm going to contradict myself completely and go, if you miss, if Silvani spends a night in hospital, misses the rest of the game and then misses again this week, I, I can't see how Essendon can sook up that Merritt's missing a game. Like it was, he chose to punch him, even though it was a soft little love tap. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually, I'm not uncomfortable with him. I really. actually completely agree. If you punch someone hard enough to break a rib, yeah. it's worth getting reported. A lot of people say it as an unpopular opinion that he got a week and that they've once again gone to the um, result rather than the action. But if you close fist hit someone, obviously high impact, it's should 100 percent be a week or even more. I'll give him. I'll give him one thing. At least they're consistent. You know, as long as they stay consistent and don't choose to suspend blokes for the action one week and then suspend for the result another week, at least everybody knows it's the result, not the action that matters. Whether we agree with it or not, that's how it is. And everybody knows it. If they stick by that for the rest of the season, then at least there's a bit of transparency there. And then at the end of the year, we can try and fix the, the rule up because it's wrong. But as long as they're consistent, well, that's all you can ask for. So, so, so basically, Selwood could come out at the centre bounce this week and chin Matt Rowe. And if Matt Rowe doesn't get concussed, it's all good. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, 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 be, I'll be coming McGovern, after him. McGovern got a week, so I think any of the bloke who hit Sexton, I think he was fine. So. They want to prevent the uh, closed yeah, fist punch. So if yeah. karate chops in. He can sling tackle Billy, him. Billy Brownless. Okay, so pick it, him up and deck him. Yeah, and and style to danger. Open hand to the face would be all right, I reckon. Bitch slap. Yeah, just a, just a <laughs> pull, like palm, a palm. palm, just palm, a palm. As we're talking about the dangerous tackle, O'Brien on the cluggage. Um, when it was changed, the rule was changed in 2016 to the sling tackle. Uh, Gil McLaughlin said, uh, dangerous tackle is team deemed dangerous when it can cause um, a head injury. Uh, this is crucial to the part of our decision. I feel like, once again, McCluggage, uh, his head was driven into the ground by O'Brien, slung clear two actions, and once again, they haven't they haven't made their decision off the action they've made off the result. And then the MRP came out earlier this week saying, it was considered but deemed it could not lead to head, a head injury. Not every dangerous tackle will get a week. I don't understand how that, that can't cause a head injury, but a ridiculously similar, similar tackle can lead to a head injury where people have got weeks before. Well, that comment probably would have come from the medical report from um, the club. So uh, I, I guess that's what they've based that statement on. Um, I can't really much, I can't really add much more to, to that. It's ridiculous. Um, and then obviously Schofield headbutting. What a dickhead. Like, come on, mate. Tell you what I did enjoy from this. Adam Simpson getting on the phone and Ooh, giving yeah. him oh. a real good bait <laughs> mid-game. Really enjoyed that. <laughs> And Schofield just sat there and copped it, and he deserved every single word that was fun. The funny thing was, Adam Simpson had hung up the phone, and Schofield was sitting there for another 10, 15 seconds with the with the phone. <laughs> I did see this as well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> waiting for the next next uh, next bit of advice from Simo, but he, he was actually waiting for an apology. I <laughs> I think the headbutt should be outside of the match review panel. I'm fully about a good quality headbutt <laughs> to the opposition. I think it's a real entertaining aspect of our game, and it should be allowed. Knowing Zach Butters, I 
he would have been giving a fair bit of lip to uh, Scoey and probably would have deserved it. But, uh, you know, it, it takes more than a headbutt to yeah. piss butters off. Yeah, so uh, he sucked him in nicely there. Glenn Djokovic has also taught Schofield going and that would be the last game he'll ever play for the club. So he's, big, he's washed big up. Big Jacko there has just gone bang. Yeah, Let's move. Just point in his, uh, look at his medal in his cupboard mm-hmm. and uh, what he did to Dugowie that day. Dugowie's mm-hmm. got some runs on the board. Yep. Uh, let's look at now cl- uh, Victorian clubs evacuating the state, becoming hubs. Thoughts on what Richmond are trying, or Trent Cotchin's trying to claim on how they might not move and what the situation will be well, there. Hopefully we can get some tissues down to Punt Road because... <laughs> Uh, just getting a bit soft, I think. Uh, uh, you know, if someone's wife's pregnant, about to give birth, or they've got a sick kid or something, a couple of those excuses, fair enough. But professional footballers in an exceptional year, I think just get on with it. Know your role, play your role. Get on the plane, get over there, get the job done. The Tigers need it. You've got 100,000 members that a lot of them are still tipped in money and not going to be able to get to go to the footy this year. They're watching their team on the TV and supporting them and they need their best side out there and if there's blokes sucking then it's just not going to work and West Coast have proven that. The Tigers of old I reckon if it was if they were let's say 4-0 and they'd be quite happy to go I reckon that's the old oh we're rich shit again we'll just put in the two hard basket. Oh jeez. Again real hard on the Tigers. But uh, to put you know it's simply regarding the hubs I think we need to get used to a lot of footy is about to be played outside of Melbourne. Um, At least there's going to be crowds there. There can't be any Victoria Zoo. With crowds, I guess we could probably say um, at the end of the season, the uh, head of broadcasting clubs, Travis Old for the AFL, is going to deserve any sort of uh, extracurricular uh, holiday he receives because he's, you know, I can imagine what's uh, been put on his whiteboard at the moment. It's not an easy gig being the Fixture man in the AFL. What about my conspiracy theory that the, the uh, Richmonds and West Coasts and other good teams that are suddenly down the bottom are uh, anticipating an early season call off <laughs> and they're just tanking to get early picks? <laughs> Smart money, if you ask me. Jesus. Jesus. As long as West Coast finish down the bottom and we get their pick because uh, they, <laughs> they haven't got their pick. So, interesting times. Uh, we laughed at Kevin Barlett earlier in the year. Uh, episode one, I gave him a bit of a torch saying. The AFL is a spectacle and the state of the game isn't great and I'm probably going to follow him a little bit here now, obviously, seeing probably three or four games that were absolute carp on the weekend. But also a bit of Alistair Clarkson, how he's come out and said, gee, that was a boring game, blah, blah, blah. Just Alistair Clarkson, once again, you're coaching and you're setting a game plan. I don't understand how you can bake the AFL on the players for playing like that. I just... Don't understand at all. And then saying we laid 67 tackles and then not one was adjudicated. Holding the ball and doing things like that and the game doesn't flow well enough. Well, make your side play like that. There's no point of dishing out stuff to Gilmore Lock and say, saying maybe half a second is prior opportunity now when getting tackled. It's just make a decision, AFL, as well, if you want it to be a high-scoring type of game or if you want it to be a close type of game. I know they brought in the 6-6-6 to make it more free-flowing and obviously clubs have adjusted to that and now can play a more defensive side and hold up um, teams that can run quickly. But I just think Alistair Clarkson pull your head in a little bit when you're saying that it's the AFL's fault, not yours, when you're making the game plan. Clarko gets paid to win games, and he's winning games at the moment, and that's why they're playing the way they're playing, because everyone else is playing the same way. So it's not just Clarko. I agree with Clarko. The game's not in a great state. I don't think... I'm not huge for changing heaps of rules again. The only one I'm sort of... Uh, 
little bit obliged to is the capping the interchange. I think that'll open the game up a little bit, but I think it's just hopefully get through this year, get back to 20 minutes plus time on, and we'll get back to some better footy. I think um, I was just in the AFL 360 during the week, and Robbo brought up the point of maybe only having four people at a stoppage. What are our thoughts on that? No, no, no. Shut up, Robbo. Yeah, no. No. Stop <laughs> touching the... The fabric of the game, if you want to tinker with things, tinker with things like the interchange. Mm. Starting positions, yeah, again, that hasn't had a huge bearing. But don't go the kicking backwards, play on, rubbish. Four people are stoppage, rubbish. Just don't touch the fabric of the game. I think no matter, no matter what rules you try and bring in, the coaches will adjust and they will play the game how they want it to be played. So unless you incentivise them to score more, nothing's going to really change unless you go full drastic and you start cutting the field down to 14 players and introducing netball zone and stuff which nobody wants to see um i think yeah just leave it and it'll sort itself out eventually i just don't understand how clark could cut like i know there's the point of saying that it's boring but you can't as face as you're doing at the moment um, <laughs> you can't say it's boring and say the game's horrible and then you're coaching i know it's to win games of footy but you, you just can't say oh yeah game shit I just don't understand where his points from. Like he's also he's just diplomating himself and saying nothing, basically. Four time premiership coach, I think he can sort of say what he what he wants, I reckon, the great man. Um, I think that moves us on now to this week's sprays from the blokes. We'll start off with you, Fez, and what you have to say in your weekly spray. A couple of drive rides for me. Uh Firstly, I'll start with Huey Greenwood. Just at, at two weeks off having a go at Rashudo and how good am I going? One week off. One week off, sorry. Rolls out with a big seven disposals as a full-time midfielder. Hugh, put down the Twitter account and get a kick, mate. <laughs> so I just want to uh, say a lot of him. Matthew Nix now drops Matt Crouch. Drops Matt Crouch, who's a superstar. An absolute gun, Matt Crouch. Every other club would love to have him in there. And then... His players serve up this. You've got you've got Hamill, I know he got injured, two touches. You've got his key backs in McCasey, Himmelberg, Talia, Dodi, all getting um, fuck all, under six. Uh, Kelly got 10. Frampton O'Brien, the big boys, obviously not playing Crouch's role, but they've got seven and nine. And then you've got blokes like Shane McAdam, five, Murphy, seven, Crocker, nine, Yum. Chase Jones, 11, and Poe Hulk getting 12. <laughs> If you're telling me that... Poe Hulk? Where do you say? Hulky. If you're telling me that Matt Crouch couldn't play one of their roles and do better in that, I will... I, you're an idiot if you say that. <laughs> you're an idiot. There's no... I just don't get it. I don't get why they... Okay, we need to change up our midfield mix. Let's still put one of our gun players on a forward flank. I reckon he'll still do an okay job as a forward flanker. Uh, uh, Matthew Nix, you, you're going shit. I stood up for you last week, and then you served up that. So, give him your ass, Durf. Oh, you're, you're all about getting Nix's ass last week. Let's fucking send him on his way this week. Especially, especially when those blokes on the forward flank are blokes like Ben Crocker, who is, isn't exactly a kid. Superstar. Get, and Crouch is like not it's just... over the hill or anything. He's 25. With your fist. Just want to move on again to one of our team members here, uh, Paddy Farley, cutting out his own spray last week. Jeez, 
the listener, I wish you could have heard it, was embarrassing, mumbled and bumbled his <laughs> way through a sook about Geelong playing down at Geelong. Oh, it was if hard to... If we only have eyewitnesses, Michael was... Jackson got off, so I reckon I can get off. It was hard to listen to. Also, I want to go in on one more. We did get some feedback through through some channels this week that are... Big listener base. Big listener base <laughs> that are... Yeah. Old, old mate from Werribee, Mitch, Moore, Mitch War is not liking what I bring to the table. Well, I don't like his cricket ability or his KD ratio on COD, which clearly paints him as a virgin being as high as it is. His sloppy rig, poor fashion sense, shit haircut, and a head like a kicked-in bin doesn't doesn't suit him either. I didn't like his poxy one for in the final against us. Didn't like him only getting a game because his dad's the president. Anyone wants to guess what his top score is in the twos? No. Nah, nine. It's nine. <laughs> Anyone want to guess how many first level wickets he's got? How many? Zero. <laughs> Give it up, mate. Only thing going for you is your first name. <laughs> <laughs> Just when we're talking about 360 feedback from our listeners, That's uh, anonymous point. caller, we had, and quoting, I'm sick of these explicit talking about Geelong. Nobody gives a flying fuck. Washed up club, I'll screw up if I keep hearing this. So thank you very much for that anonymous call. Well, well, you're going to be anonymous. <laughs> that's just lax balls from the start. So if you're going to come out with jobs, that's fine. Put your money where your mouth is, son. Or lady, I don't know who you are, <laughs> lady, but that I... is pox. <laughs> I thought it was well said, but I agree with you. you put your name to it. Have some balls, I'll back you up. Um, I've got a bit of a spray this week for an absolute pensioner. Mick Malthouse, <laughs> you need to be locked up in an aged care home. <laughs> Coming out and saying Nat Fife is not a champion footballer and is not in the top quality players that are playing league football right now. Man's won two Brownlow medals and I understand you come out and say, yes, it's an umpire's award and tend to agree with you on that one. But how do you explain him being voted the MVP by his fellow players twice as well? Not many blokes have been have won that award multiple times. And then you talk about his defensive side of the game as well. You put Dane Swan in the top three blokes that you coach of all time. I don't think Dane Swan played any defense in his whole career. Gun. So, absolute gun. But don't say Dane Swan's your favorite player of all time and then say Fife's not a champion. And then you go on and say Wayne Carey, Lee Matthews, Kevin Barlett are all champions and Fife's not. I don't reckon many of them play defence either, especially Duck. He just took bags and kicked goals. Did bags. So, <laughs> took, 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 took big grabs and kicked goals. He needs to pull his head in, old Mick, and he starts off going on about he doesn't defend and stuff. And this is ties into the state of the game at the moment. As soon as people don't do something defensively, don't man up, let, a, let their man kick a goal, they are the first ones... They get pulled off the field. They get bagged by fans, get bagged by the media. So if we want the state of the game to be fixed and more goals to be scored, the media, fans, coaches, and I know I've done this coaching at school footy level, need to lay off blokes that make mistakes by trying to kick the ball into the centre of the ground that don't always man up because at the end of the day, those are blokes that get... Nailed first by coaches and fans, so you need to lay off them if you want goals to be kicked because defensive mistakes are the ones first highlighted, so we need to lay off that if we want the state of the game to be fixed as well. That's a real personal and emotional uh, spray from Frank there, being Nick Malthouse ruining the club. From a Collingwood perspective, I love it. 
He's taken us to a flag. He's still relevant. Ruined the arch rival. I'm all for Mick there. Mick is not relevant. If he's trying to say that Fife is not a champion, <laughs> trying to get back into relevancy. He's gone senile. Will be dribbling on his shoulder in the corner, <laughs> locking himself to sleep in no time, and sooner the better, really. So pack your bags, Mick. Thanks for your Let's go on to what we're looking forward to this week. Do you want to kick us off, Fez? Just skipping the cult hero? Uh, we'll do that last. Oh, Thanks, okay. Wiz. No, just stick to the run. Things we're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to watching Bailey Smith trot out there this weekend. We've spoken about the debate between Rosie and Walsh. I, after having watched the first four rounds, have Smith at number one. I think Rosie could, again, be that X-Fact player. But right now, Smith does it inside, outside. He's got the best haircut in the AFL. I reckon he is an absolute jet. Jasper Reed some, too. Oh, he's doing some, it. Jasper Pitter? Pitter? Yeah. Hair. Great haircut. He, yeah. has, the, he has the worst <laughs> lead in the competition at the moment. <laughs> now, I'm with Fez. Uh, Bailey Smith is a uh, very good package. I think he's going to be a gun player. Just needs to stay away from Hunter and the beers and the driving into the cars and picking him up and taking him to houses. But Hunter doing drugs alive, by the way. Good on him. So get around. Get around dry July. Paddy Farley on the Facebook page. Just donate. Thanks, boys. Like it's something completely different then. No, <laughs> you don't want to talk about Paddy Farley doing dry July after oh. being on the piss for 18 months? Yeah, just 19-year-old doing dry July. It's a bit of me time, I think, but good, good cause. So we'll donate. Make sure you donate, but... Get around me. I've had 18 months on the piss, and now I'm having a big month off because I'm a big piss horse. So <laughs> Uh, what I'm looking forward to, once again, I'll have my moisturiser and tissues, watching Matty Rowell oh. just tear it up. Probably have 35, kick two, both feet. That's all I'm looking forward to, really. Let's see how good he is when he heads down the cattery. I'm a big Rowell fan, but... If Cam Guthrie's a coward and goes to him and ruins the state of the game, there's so much to the state of the game, let him run free. I don't give a flying fuck if you lose, let him run free. Yeah, let's just let the opposition players third in the Brownlow at the moment just have 40. Why not? That'd well, be good. Every other club's done it. Let I, would, I would like a team just, not don't have to tag him, but just get into him, see what he's really made of, put a bit yeah. of pressure on him. I'd like to see Danger and so we'll just get in there and just test him out a little bit, but he's going to be up for it. He's a superstar, real. And you haven't seen the memes out there about Matt Rowe. Do yourself a favour. have seen the memes, man. They've seen the memes. Yes. It's living under a rock if you haven't. I'm looking forward to the two form teams of the comp, Brisbane Port. That's going to be an absolute belter, I reckon, on Saturday night. So, and we'll find out where Port are really at because Brisbane are looking really good at the moment. So, I'm looking forward to that one. Thought he was going to say St Kilda Cup. We'll get touched up, I reckon. So, I'm not looking. Forward. And the thing I'm looking forward to this week. I know we had a bit of feedback about the Geelong, but I think Geelong Gold Coast is probably second to that Brisbane Port Adelaide game in terms of. Uh, importance and I'm interested to see how the Gold Coast will go now that they're going to start to be out of Queensland and are they really living up to the hype. I'm looking forward to hopefully Gold Coast game style rubbing off on Geelong because hopefully we don't serve up that rubbish again but uh, yeah, with Dirt would be interesting and also looking forward to the Brisbane Port game. Yes. Let's move on to our final segment. Like I said, Fez has just dropped his guts. (laughs) Um, our favourite cult heroes of all time. Wiz, do you want to kick us off? Oh, I've just got one, mate, and it's Kappa! <laughs> <laughs> the Wiz, great nickname. Uh, <laughs> took a few more hangers than I did, because uh, I took zero. But, yeah, would have loved to have grown up 
a little bit earlier and seen Kappa just take the late 80s apart. So, yes, he's he's one of my all-time favourites. Okay, now it's Kappa! It's good on and off the field, old Warwick. Mm. And as we heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as um, we saw. Credit to Warwick as well. A bloke from my work Christmas party went as Kappa and we sent a photo to the Wiz on Instagram and he replied to us and got around us and said when we're on the Gold Coast you go give him a visit. So... Good man. Also, yep. get around Warwick Kappa's uh, coffee business, Cappuccinos, as well, if you want to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> that is elite. <laughs> yeah. uh, my cult hero, Paddy's a I'm a bit biased, but 1966 was the year of the Saint. Their only flag beat the Pies by a point, but that game's not remembered for the Saints winning their flag. Oh, no, it's no. for the great Golan Pie in the white coat <laughs> going down like a sack of shit. <laughs> like, didn't get touched. Down he went. And that's all that grand final is remembered for, and <laughs> rightly so. Yeah, he's got a pee heart like the rest of the Golan Pie fraternity. What about barrel boy uh, Pete Nastasi, mate? Is he another idol of yours? Yeah, very to retain cult status in the Alpine fraternity? Absolutely. Scott's team made it. Barrel boy. Top McLaren. Scotty. Guy's a good man. Yeah, Great. James Heard. Good set of hands on him. <laughs> James Heard nailed, nailed him. With, nailed it when he said uh, he is useless. <laughs> <laughs> 20 grand well spent, Jim. <laughs> nah, my one, absolutely biased, but Fev. Can't go past him for me. Push. Pressure point. <laughs> Pressure point. Pressure point. Pressure point. Pressure point. Dennis was good, but Fev, as a young Carlton supporter growing up when we were absolutely shit, Fev is what kept me going and absolutely loving my watch highlights of him on the regular, to be honest. That goal he kicked from 10 rows back against Adelaide on the 50. I've watched about oh, a thousand times. Never gets old, and also his second half against Essendon when he kicks eight goals. So, they're my two favourites for Fevolution. The Fevolution. Um, for me, I've got I've got a couple, but uh, obviously uh, putting my Geelong hat on, the wild man from Borneo, Max Rook, watching him get oh, around in the uh, in the late two thousand was an absolute sight. When he ran down Ralph Clark in the 09 Grand Final, was to kick us off, mate. It was party time. I <laughs> I genuinely lost me marbles at that, at that stage of the game. <laughs> Real calibre of play there, Ruff Clark. The tackle was in front of him, mate, and Maxi was bringing the heat that day. Maxi brought it. Uh, also loose units, so I like that. Uh, and, and then I'm moving on to basically my favourite uh, my favorite other things in the AFL, which, which is what hairdos uh, people are bringing. And the ultimate hairdo in the history of AFL was the flying doormat. Bruce Dorn, <laughs> watching that man get around with the full bald on top with the just luxurious locks in the headband was elite. Like Wizzo, I wish I was a little bit little bit older so I could watch the doormat do his do his best work off a of back flank. And then and then leading into any and all blokes that have rolled mullets over the journey in the AFL, uh, well deserving of cult status. Now when you think of grey mullets you think you think Gary Ayres is? Yes. You think Gary Ayres as as probably the number one mullet? That's Marriage? 
mate, real dirty bar. sort of ma- mullet. I like the permy mullets. The, the Dermy Garriers, Peter Riccardi, Buddha Hocking, those sort of like perm mullets. Yeah. Were, oh, Burton Jones are on one of them at the moment. There's some few poor cuts coming around. Burton Jones is real short up up top though, where I like this. This is at the top part Gary had some, it had some sort of. Uh, some lift at the front as well. So, yeah, I'm all about a mullet and uh, quality. My couple are, firstly, once again, got to hate the Geelong supporters a bit here. Stewie Jew, great rig, great player. Conk hero, you are. Gained it in that away grand final when he put his wand up the whole Geelong football club's ass. Also, once again, putting on my collar with Nuffy hat. Fat prick. <laughs> Jack <laughs> Anthony winning the game. Jack Anthony winning the game for Collingwood against Adelaide in that semi-final oh, game oh, status. Shit his head ever to play AFL. Just hope in his heart, dreams in his head. Jack Anthony, he's done it. Forget all those goals he's ever kicked. Get around him. I did not stuff. think we would be talking about him. <laughs> just when you can't stoop any lower than sharks, you can just go there every week. So Sunk Crows supporters hearts. <laughs> Absolutely, the Crows were robbed. Right in front of me. Right in front of me. Yeah, we all remember that. Well, that's all for this week's post-game spray. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.